0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. My guest, Dr. Ian Hutchinson, is professor of nuclear science and engineering at MIT. He's a plasma physicist, and uh, he uh, works on exploring the confinement of plasma hotter than the sun's center, uh, aimed at producing practical energy from nuclear fusion reactions, uh, which is the energy source of the stars. Uh He is the author of an outstanding book, which I came across when I was writing Dangerous to the Faith, called Monopolizing Knowledge, uh, which I found a great help in helping me understand the scientism uh, from a man who's deeply embedded in the world of science, and yet is also uh, has an active faith in Jesus Christ. He is most recently the author of Can a Scientist Believe in Miracles?, And uh, Dr. Hutchinson, it's a great pleasure and honor to have you with me today. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh,
0: When we think of MIT, we don't normally think of uh, people who bear witness to Jesus Christ. Why is there such a conflict in today's world between those who are seen as pioneers in the field of the sciences and technology and the world of personal faith?
1: Well, <clears throat> actually, there isn't such a strong conflict as is commonly perceived. But the, but the perception of that conflict is uh, a legacy of a campaign that was um, championing secularism or the secularization of the academy that actually took place in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've inherited that um, in our academic spheres and the presumption that many people have is that science and um, religion, the Christian faith particularly, um, are are and always have been at war. But the interesting thing is that that, that outlook has been debunked by historians of science yep. fairly thoroughly over the last 50 years. And so it's not so surprising uh, to find people... Um, at a place like MIT, sort of High Temple of Science and Technology (laughs) in in America, and maybe even in the galaxy, um, uh, to find people who are actually serious Christians, like myself.
0: So, uh, among your colleagues, then, you're not regarded as uh, eccentric because of your faith in Christ?
1: I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think there are plenty of people who don't share my... Uh, Christian views and mm-hmm. who are secularists or even atheists um, on the faculty, but there are also plenty of people on the faculty at MIT who are uh, serious Christian believers. And so I think we have to find ourselves a, a meeting place. Sure. And in the And we also, and this is what my book is about, have to understand more deeply the relationship between science and religion and find a place where, the, where we understand how those have an- interacted over history and do interact today.
0: Uh, your earlier book, Monopolizing Knowledge, I love the title of it. it who, who determines that scientific method is the sole means of arriving at knowledge? How, how do we ha- why is that considered the sole means?
1: Well, considering the scientific approach to be the sole means of obtaining knowledge is what is commonly referred to as scientism. Mm -hmm. And um, my view is that no one really determines that but it has become a very common assumption or background view within the academy, and that comes about for lots of reasons, one of which is this uh, secularization of the academy that I just uh, mm-hmm. mentioned, but another is, of course, the enormous success of science. Right. So um, people in, in a whole variety of disciplines have seen the tremendous success that science has experienced in the modern age of the, over the last three or four hundred years, and uh, and that leads people to believe that, well, maybe the scientific method is is really the only way of finding real knowledge. It's certainly a very li- reliable way, and it's a way that I pursued through, throughout my, my career with some degree of success. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think it's uh, a folly to think that science is all the knowledge there is and i think it's very obvious when you think deeply about it that that can't possibly be true because there are lots of things we know in our lives and in the academy and in, in and in in important disciplines that aren't discovered by the methods of science and and the example i usually give of an area which is predominantly not scientific knowledge but is knowledge is history sure you know what we historians have very serious knowledge about what happened in the past about the way that societies developed and individual events in those in the in the course of history and that's important knowledge you ignore history at your peril but it's not found out by using the methods of science the methods of science predominantly i'm here referring to the idea of the importance of having reproducible observations or um experiments and and having uh, unambiguous clarity in the way that those um the results of those observations or experiments are are uh, expressed and history doesn't possess either reproducibility you can't do an experiment to prove you know that uh, Caesar crossed the rubicon right. um you but but nevertheless um we do know with high degree of certainty many of the facts of history some of them are not known with such great um, certainty as we are common, um, commonly uh, searching for in science but nevertheless history is real knowledge and so scientism is just a ghastly mistake
0: Do, when it comes to questions of uh, what Christians might call the moral law or natural law uh, human nature itself Bigger questions. Uh, is science helpful?
1: Well, science can certainly describe the, the normal workings of the universe. And so if you are interested in the ways in which uh, our world behaves in reproducible and a predictable uh, manner, uh, science is tremendously helpful. But, truma- but in the end, if you, are, if you are thinking in terms of the big questions of life, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? Is there a God? Where will I go when I die? Those questions that have exercised the human spirit um, for millennia, um, science isn't terribly helpful in addressing those, yeah. um, because those are questions which, for which, in a certain sense, science is deliberately um, uh, incompetent to answer. There there are questions about meaning, there are questions about personality and purpose, which are things which science deliberately puts aside when it focuses on those very clearly reproducible aspects of the world. Uh,
0: Is there, you mentioned earlier, two things about science that, strike me. One of them is its extraordinary success and uh, all the benefits that accrue from science and technology in our daily lives. The second thing is the degree of certainty that scientific knowledge uh, seems to offer. Uh, When it comes to those bigger questions, uh, it seems the bigger the question, the less certainty people have about them, or at least there's the greater the degree of disagreement. Uh, Can you speak to that disparity?
1: Well, I think that you, the second way that you phrased it is is a good one, which is that there's a greater degree of yeah. disagreement about some of these big questions. And, uh, of course, that's true, but um, quest, the big questions or the, or the questions, of religious questions, for example, does God exist or, you know, uh, is there a loving God and those questions like that, Those are certainly questions to which the answer is less clearly uh, investigable by any kind of reproducible methods. But that's in part because, in a certain sense, they're the hard questions. Mm -hmm. And I would be willing to say, probably to the chagrin of, my, of many of my fellow scientists, that actually scientists are studying, in a certain sense, the easy questions, <laughs> the questions that we, we're deliberately choosing to, to ask and answer questions about which we can have very clearly, uh, easily agreed answers. But there are many other questions in life which are just as important, maybe more important, and, and to which the answers aren't really so clear so but religion isn't the only only area in which that's true i mean there are areas like politics um in which the arguments go on forever people don't come to agreement and yet politics is extremely important and so we can't just focus on if you like the easy questions the the questions where um we can sort out the answers by the very um finely-tuned methods of science.
0: Uh, since the rise of the new atheism after nine eleven, we see a, re, uh, a reassertion of the, uh, the old village atheist idea that somehow uh, if you have faith, that means you don't have knowledge. If you have knowledge, it means you don't need faith. Uh, what's the relationship between faith and critical thinking?
1: Well, um, I'd be happy to... Talk about that. I wanted to just say a couple of words about my new book. Um, Can a scientist believe in miracles? The, the title of the book might be a little misleading unless one has the entire title, which is which, which is followed up by an MIT professor answers questions on God and science. And my book is about all the kinds of questions that I've been asked that give, while giving talks, in, mostly on university campuses. About the relationship between science and faith, and the question you know you've asked um, about faith is one of the questions that comes up in my book, mm-hmm. and I think it's a very important part of the relationship between uh, science and religion because those who take it the secular view often have a very naive and um, simplistic view of faith, it's really they offer a caricature of faith, um, which I think um, needs to be thought more deeply about, because faith itself um, contains at least three threads of meaning. One is belief in propositions, mm-hmm. sometimes belief in propositions that aren't provable. Um, second, the, the second thread of meaning is a, a matter of trust or confidence in a thing or a person, and the third thread of meaning is to do with loyalty and um, acting in faith towards um, some ideals or some, uh, uh, or some group or some person. And actually, in, the, in Christianity, the emphasis is on the second two meanings of faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, trust and loyalty, much more than it is on belief in propositions, right. whether provable or not.
0: Dr. Hutchinson, hold it there. We'll take a break, come back and pick it up at this question of what is faith, uh, its relationship, belief in propositions, confidence or trust in a person or a thing, loyalty to some person or ideal. We'll expand on that. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. My guest is Dr. Ian Hutchinson. He's a plasma physicist and professor of nuclear science and engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. He is the author, most recently, of Can a Scientist Believe in Miracles? An MIT Professor Answers Questions on God and Science. Before the break, we were talking about faith and critical thinking. The word faith, uh, Dr. Hutchinson uh, points out and writes in the book, that uh, the word faith has several different but related meanings. Uh, one, number one, belief in propositions. Number two, confidence or trust in a person or thing. Number three, loyalty to some person or ideal. And you were saying before the break, uh, Dr. Hutchinson, that the last two are most significant for the nature of Christian faith. Go ahead.
1: That's true. Um, but the but the first is the one that the skeptics um generally focus on and they portray faith as a kind of blind faith a belief in things that as mark twain says it um believing something you know ain't true yes. is uh, his schoolboy's definition of faith um and but that i don't think uh, really reflects um historic Christianity, certainly not what faith means within uh, the Christian church. Um, Faith um, is is much more those uh, second trust and loyalty matters. And when it comes to belief in propositions, the propositions, if you like, of the Christian faith are not things we believe you know, in spite of the evidence or in contrast to the evidence, there are things we believe because we have evidence uh, for their truth. And that evidence may well not be scientific. By and large, it couldn't be scientific because um, religious faith and, and the Christian faith in particular is much more about persons and about personalities and relationships than it is about the natural world. And so, Naturally, that evidence isn't scientific.
0: So the, when, we, when we talk about faith, we are, as Christians, we're talking fundamentally about this uh, reliance upon the person of Christ?
1: Yes. Yeah. Certainly that personal relationship with God um, is through Christ is um, a crucial part of uh, the Christian faith— Um, The first great commandment is to love God, to have a relationship of love with God. And also, it's about relationships with people, because the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, again, um, when we're talking about the things on which Christianity focuses, we are inevitably talking about some of these things which are beyond what science can tackle by its um, rigorous methods, and because we 're naturally involved in personalities in purpose in intention, uh, and the higher level uh, descriptions of um, the world and of people,
0: do scientists exercise a certain type of faith uh, in in you know the kind of work they have to, they have to presuppose certain things about the nature absolutely. of the universe yeah
1: absolutely. I mean, everyone in, in every discipline has a certain sense, um, a set of approaches uh, to the world which are based on some fundamental commitments. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in science, we have this underlying uh, belief and, and uh, intention of. Um, describing the, the world in, in terms of uh, its reproducible behavior. We find the world to be ama- enormously consistent as well as being powerful and, and to some degree comprehensible. Um, those, the fact that we find it that way is not obvious from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was partly um, a, a, a pre-existing belief in the coherence of um, the creation um, that led to the growth of modern science, but certainly that um, coherence to the world is a core belief of scientists, and um, it, and it's what underlies what we carry uh, the the kinds of investigations we carry out, and even in the end, the content of science becomes a um, a set of uh, propositions in which we are we find ourselves utterly convinced and um and and, and so, if you think about some, you know, set of equations in physics, whether it's you know Einstein's relativity or whether it's Maxwell's uh, equations of electromagnetism, um, these are well-established understandings of the world in which we, in which we scientists have enormous confidence, and that, that confidence could well be considered to be faith. We have trust in these uh, equations. We think they're going to be reliable, and we act in our uh, lives and in our designs and inventions and ideas in ways that um, we think are going to be consistent with the truth of those propositions. And so I think it's not the case that um, activities in the science contrast so much with um, uh, understandings and, and, and thinking and action in religion, mm-hmm. that, they, that they have nothing in common. It's quite, it's quite the contrary. There, there is, in a certain sense, faith um, taking place in both areas of thought.
0: Uh, does the possibility of miracles uh, upset the confidence that a scientist should have in the uniformity of the natural world do miracles actually work against that confidence that presupposition of stability
1: yeah that's that's a very important question and um it's one which which has come up frequently over the centuries Mm -hmm. um i think that you know we the given the time we have, let me just answer <laughs> superficially, <Sure. laughs> superficially is, the, is that the answer is there is a certain tension, okay, in that science shows the um, world to be largely reproducible, and, and so our science is successful because the world is reproducible. But what science doesn't show is that the, the world is always reproducible in exactly the way that science says And, um, so the question fundamentally becomes, are the laws of science such that they are known to be inviolable or are they, um, more, more, more realistically our best, uh, description of the ways in which the world is reproducible. And I take the second view, um, that, uh, the laws of nature, um, that we're discovering in science, profound and powerful though they are, are actually the descriptions of of the way in which God sustains the world, uh, as the scriptures say, Mm -hmm. um, by his word of power in this consistent uh, way that he has of uh, upholding his creation. But God is not constrained by the laws of nature, even though those are the ways that he normally Mm -hmm. sustains the world. And so if God has purposes that go beyond um, the steadfastness of his um, normal uh, sustainment of the world, he is at liberty, if you wish, um, to act differently. And um, therefore, miracles are not ruled out in, in my mind. Um, by uh, the the uh, great discoveries of science. And by the way, um, you know, you shouldn't just take my word for it that a scientist can believe in miracles. You should look at history and, and observe that uh, many of the greatest scientists of history, uh, Maxwell himself, Faraday, Newton, um, Galileo, uh, Boyle, and and on and on, were convinced Christians. They were people who took the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a miracle, um, to be um, a fact. Right. And therefore, over history, it, one can observe that great scientists have indeed believed in miracles, and they can continue to do so today.
0: Uh You're aware of this. I'm aware of it. Listeners are aware of it, that there are lots of competing claims about miracles. People use the word very loosely. But let me ask you about miraculous claims in other faith traditions, in other religions. How should the uh, Christian uh, regard those claims?
1: Well, I think it's not at all unreasonable for a Christian to approach any miracle claim with a degree of skepticism, <laughs> Right. because miracles must be rare, because if they weren't rare, <laughs> science wouldn't work. Exactly. Um, so, so it's perfectly sensible for to approach all miracle claims with a pretty high degree of skepticism. As I cite in my book, um, even the Roman Catholic Church at Lourdes has Sort of endorsed only 1% of right. the miracle claims That's right. of healings at that shrine. Um, so um, the quick answer is you should approach them with a degree of skepticism. Sometimes people put forward those miracle claims from other religions as some kind of disproof um, of. Uh, Christian miracle claims. Uh, but I don't think that's how it works. And in my book, I explain a bit, in a bit more technical detail how the probabilities actually work. But whether or not um, miracles are true, in, or that there are such things as, as true miracles in other religions, really has minimal um, uh, influence on whether, I think, one could reasonably uh, accept that the possibility that there are miracles um, if one's a Christian, mm-hmm. so I don't think actually God is forbidden for uh, from working miracles in the context of other faiths. Um, but even if He were, I don't think that that influences the argument. This, this argument, by the way, comes up because it's one of uh, the points that David Hume made in his um, very famous uh, philosophical. Uh, analysis of miracles, whereby he discounts them, um, and this question of other religions comes up at that point.
0: We've only got about uh, ninety seconds left. How should? What is the relationship between scripture and science? <laughs> In ninety seconds. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, uh, I think the Bible has lots of different types of literature. It has prophecy, it has uh, history, it has uh, religious ceremony, it has letters, it has biography, and so on and so forth. But the one type of literature that I can guarantee you is not in the Bible is scientific literature, <laughs> uh, because science didn't exist in the days when the Bible um, was, uh, was written in the, in the way we think of it today. And so I think it's a, a, a terrible mistake if Christians, or atheists for that matter, um, approach the Bible as if it ought to give them sci- a scientific description of the world. And so, um, of course, there are ways in which science gives a different story of the beginning of the universe and of the earth than does, for example, Genesis. But I don't think those two stories are in conflict when interpreted sensibly.
0: Dr. Hutchinson, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your work and uh, this new book, Can Scientists Believe in Miracles? Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be with you.
0: Dr. Ian Hutchinson, Can a Scientist Believe in Miracles? Outstanding.